The end of one year and the beginning of another offers a moment to ponder life's meaning and significance, to look forward together after enduring one of the hardest, strangest years most of us have ever experienced. And as Providence would have it, it's also a moment that marks the arrival of a thoughtful movie, Disney Pixar's Soul, a story that's worthy of a New Year's Eve conversation. Hey everyone, Adam Holtz here, your host for the Plugged In Show. Focus on the family's weekly conversation about entertainment, pop culture, and technology. Thanks for joining us today. Well, if ever there was a year with the power to prompt deep questions about life and the meaning of it all, it was 2020. And we're going to be talking about some of those questions in our discussion of soul, which Paul Acey is going to tell us about. We're also going to dive into a conversation about movies and TV shows with spiritual themes why they're so popular, and how we can wade through the sometimes messy spiritual worldview issues that come up in them. I think it's going to be a great discussion. Joining me for that today are Emily Clark, Jonathan McKee, and Paul Acey. All right. Well, what is one movie or TV show that God somehow used to communicate a spiritual lesson or prompting or idea for you? And that could be some way that he encouraged you convicted you, warned you, or reminded you of some kind of spiritual truth? That's a great question. You know, and I'll I'll start, I will, (laughs) I'll start because it's funny. I I think it's in an unusual place. I wouldn't say this is necessarily a Christian film, but um, we've talked about uh, in this show earlier this year, the movie, A Beautiful Day in a Neighborhood. And um, such an, yeah, such an amazing film. Tom Hanks did a great job, but of course, honoring the life, uh, of Fred Rogers and, um, you know, and, and kind of getting a behind the scene glimpse at his show and the way he really was and the way God worked through this guy. Um, and there's just several scenes in that movie that are just so powerful where you see that he really always just focused his attention on the person that was there in the room and he was 100% focused on them. And this guy who is kind of a skeptic who was interviewing him, Lloyd Vogel, um, was on the phone with him once and he was talking with him about that. And he's like, you know, he kind of asked him and, and, you know, Mr. Rogers way, you know, Fred asks him, he goes, do you know what the most important thing in the world is to me right now? And Lloyd's like, uh, no. And Fred's all talking on the telephone to Lloyd Vogel. You know, and it was just the way, it's just the <laughs> way he, he meant said, it. You yeah, know, that's he the thing. It. He meant it. 100%. He's like, I'm focused on that person. I thought, you know, that's so good, especially, you know, we live in this world that's just full of screen to screen conversations. And Fred was so good at face to face conversations. And to me, that just was such an impact because you saw a guy who deeply, um, you know, had this amazing relationship with God and he would just pray every day and pray, God, how can you use me to reach people? And he did. And yeah. that impacted me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, for me, I'm going to go in almost the exact opposite direction from, from what Jonathan's talking about. This movie is not something that necessarily inspired me or, or convicted me, but it, it challenged me in a really deep way. Um, and that movie is is Silence mm. by Martin Scorsese. It's hmm. a very, very difficult movie. It's R-rated, um, it, although it doesn't have a lot of content. It's just very, very difficult to watch. It's painful to watch. Um, 
And it really talks very deeply about some some theological issues that I had never really thought that much about. Um, it, it talks about um, what does it mean when someone walks away from their faith? What does it mean when their faith is challenged? What does it mean to be a Christian in the face of of deep, hard persecution? It was a hard movie to watch, but I tell you, I don't know if there has been a movie that made me think so much afterwards. I, I spent hmm. like two weeks thinking about the, the themes in this movie and just trying to wrestle. Wow. With them. Um, yeah, it was it was a pretty intense movie, but but it's the one that comes to mind when I hear about conversations like this. Wow. Cool. Emily, what about you? Yeah, I've been thinking about my answer as you guys have been talking. Um, I think I'm going to go with uh, the Book of Eli, actually. Oh, um, wow. That's another, it's another R-rated movie, but like that movie, the first time I watched it, when I got to the ending and realized, well, like, I mean, I we pretty much had already spoiler figured alert. out that spoiler like alert. he's carrying the Bible <laughs> and everything. <laughs> but oh, no. the fact that he's that he's me. a bl- oh yeah, spoiler <laughs> alert. Sorry, you guys. If you don't, <laughs> you know, what? I'm not. No, I'm not sorry. <laughs> sorry, I'm not sorry. Um, to me, it was really interesting and just like. Because he's not just carrying the Bible, but he's like, he's protecting it. Like he knows that if this book is put into the wrong hands, it's going, it's, it's going to be abused. It's going to be twisted. It's going to be, and you know, it, it for me, it was just kind of like, that's kind of like it often, I shouldn't say often, but I feel like that happens a lot today. You know, there are a lot of people out there who will take, you know, something like the Bible and they'll twist it to suit their own needs and, you know, just discard the parts that they don't like or the parts that don't, um, you know, directly serve them. And it's so like, and maybe not in the same twisted way that that movie did. That movie took it kind of to an extreme. You know, the guy wanted to use the Bible to literally become like God to these people. But, um, but I think we definitely see that like in throughout our culture, there are ways where like things are taken from the Bible, you know, like, like the golden rule even, but they're like twisted and turned to not be about Jesus and to be about us really. And how we all think we should be treated by other humans. And it's like, mm, it, but, but that's not, it's not about how we're treated. It's about how we treat others, you know? And there, I mean, obviously there's a, so much more to it, but that was one for me that, uh, that definitely got to me. Yeah, that was a great movie. <laughs> yeah. And you know, the thing I like about that is that uh, what I like about what you said is that even something that has problems is something that God can use to, uh, to accomplish his purposes, to remind us of something, to prompt us. Um, and that doesn't mean that we, you know, check our discernment at the door and say, you know, movies no, with scripture are, you know, just fine. And we don't care about that. Um, but he can take something that even if it's not quite theologically on point and he can use that. And mine actually is exactly in the same vein. Let's rewind the clock all the way back to 1988 uh, I was not walking with God. In fact, I was in a Lamborghini moving the opposite direction as fast as possible. Metaphorically speaking, I wasn't really in a Lamborghini. You were in a Lamborghini. I know, I know. Only in my dreams in 1988 and, and perhaps still. And uh, <laughs> I went to see this schlocky, schlocky spiritual horror movie called The Seventh Sign, which is 
very loosely inspired by some passages in the book of Revelation. And I knew enough about God to know that I was sort of on the run. I was having my Jonah moment and man, God used that dumb movie to just sort of whip my head around. And it was right before I went to college and I wasn't quite ready to, to make my spiritual U-turn just yet, but that was sort of a precursor uh, because it talked about God's judgment and it talked about how God was at work in the world. And so it's amazing to me that he can even use terrible stories to get our attention. And luckily, I think today we're going to be talking about a really interesting story, uh, but one that has some issues that that we need to kick around too, and that's soul. And, you know, Pixar has never been afraid to tackle huge existential subjects, such as friendship and loss and the Toy Story franchise, parenting and its perils in Finding Nemo, our inherent drive to find relational connection in WALL-E, and aging and death and up. I will pause while we all reach for our block box of Kleenex. <laughs> Kleenex, big time. <laughs> and our complicated internal emotional life and inside out. I think you can make the argument, though, that, that Pixar's latest film, Soul, is among its most spiritually or existentially ambitious. Uh, that said, it's it's not the only film or TV show sorting through significant spiritual questions, sometimes making great spiritual observations, sometimes embracing worldviews that are anything but biblical, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. So as I mentioned in the introduction, Paul A.C. watched and reviewed Soul for us. Uh, Paul, for families who haven't yet seen this movie, which is now streaming on Disney+, Plus, what's the overarching story here? So you've got this individual named Joe Gardner. He is a pretty much a middle school music teacher. He, uh, he's been doing that for quite a while now, but he's always wanted to be this jazz musician. He's actually wanted to, to play in clubs, do the thing, be considered a true, true musician. Um, he gets his shot at the very top of this movie. He has a chance to, to actually play with a famous, famous jazz player named Dorothea Williams. So he goes there. He's super excited. He gets the gig. His whole life, he feels like it's going to start. He's probably, what, 40 years old, and he feels like his life is just about to start. And hmm. then he falls through a manhole. He, uh, he just plummets to his death and finds himself in what can be termed some sort of existential plane of existence he starts heading up to to what would be called the great beyond in the movie but then because he was just so close to getting his his shot he he crawls away he escapes somehow and he finds himself in what the movie calls the great before this is a place it's kind of interesting that you mentioned the seventh sign because that is actually one of the themes of this movie they talk about the guff in that movie um this is sort of the same sort of thing here you Hmm. have these souls who are in sort of a waiting pattern to be born um and this is sort of where there's those souls get imprinted with who they're going to be and the the musician gets hooked up with this this soul who has been waiting for a long time to actually go down to earth. It's soul number 22. Um, and the soul just refuses essentially to be born because life doesn't seem like it would be a very big draw for her. Um, so it, it becomes sort of this relationship movie 
of this musician who feels like his life never started and this soul who doesn't want to start life. It's, it's a very oh. fascinating uh, hmm. theme for the movie, just to, just to jump right out. Wow. Well, obviously there's a lot going on there spiritually. So if you were a family and you saw this movie, where would you begin to draw both positive and, and perhaps cautionary connecting lines between this and, and, you know, what we believe as Christians? Man, I tell you what, this movie is just full. I mean, it's it's completely a spiritual movie, right? It it is right. about spirituality, and the movie I think has has bigger fridge to fry than than actually some of uh, some of the spiritual components. But you've got to deal with those spiritual components if you're taking a family or if you're watching this as a family. Um, one thing that it does obviously is is it gives us the sense that the soul is eternal. It gives us a sense that death is not the end, and it goes beyond. Now, what that beyond looks like is very different than what I think most of us Christians would would think about as sort of of the afterlife or heaven or whatnot. He name checks heaven, but this is a different vision than what what we conceive of and what is what is told in the Bible. Um, the concept of these these souls existing before they're born is actually in in most schools of christian thought that's actually a bit heretical i don't think that a lot of christians really think about the pre-existence of souls these days so i don't want to get too heavy into that but but the 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 entire concept of the movie probably goes against what most people would consider to be christian orthodoxy um so those are just the it's sort of the tip of the iceberg of what families are going to have to wade through you do also hear references that not only did mother Teresa make it to the after life. She serves as a tutor for some of these souls in, in training. Um, but Gandhi does too. Uh, Carl Jung finds his way there. So you hear a lot of name checks for, for, for people across the cultural historical gamut. Um, so clearly this is this afterlife or before life or whatever you want to call it is, is sort of a, a big open field of, of spirituality. You know, it's it's not yeah. Christian. It's not necessarily anti-Christian, but you do have to wade through some stuff here. Well, and I like what you said there, because I think families will have to make a decision, you know, based on whether they think, man, this is just too far out for us to deal with. Or, yeah, it's not coming from a Christian point of view, but there's enough here that we can talk through this. And obviously it plugged in. That's what we do all the time is to try to give you the information you need to make a good decision about whether you can navigate something or not. And this sounds like a pretty interesting, pretty compelling, maybe pretty problematic in some ways, or at least difficult uh, worldview to grapple with. So thanks for giving us kind of a a thumbnail sketch and and not an easy film to even give us a thumbnail sketch of it sounds like (laughs) it really isn't i'm sorry i struggled so much with that but one other thing that i wanted to mention is that the film is not really necessarily about before life or after life but really life itself and i think that okay that if family can can wade through some of those spiritual elements there's some good messages about what life means and 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 living life to the fullest i think one of the things to consider here is that a lot of films ask really good questions, but don't necessarily provide really good answers. And right. um, sometimes we as families, if we use media as a good, you know, uh, question provoker, 
I think it could be good. If we're looking for the answers, you know, from conventional worldly wisdom, you know, it's kind of like when you're sitting around with, you know, a bunch of friends, you know, at college or whatever, and you're like, you know, what do you think happens to us when we're dying? And, and, you know, the one guy just kind of goes, well, I think, and he just sits there and you see his eyes kind of look up and to the right, and he's like, you know, searching like what he thinks in his brain, you know. I think maybe we're all a vapor and we're floating around, you know, and, and very often people will have these theories. I mean, they do. And, and, uh, and sadly, when I'm telling that story, most of you can probably relate to a situation <laughs> where you're sitting with someone and yep. you're like that dude, that same looking up to the right dude talked about the vapor. <laughs> um, and, and, uh, or maybe it was a girl who knows, but, but, but very often, you know, people have these theories and they throw them out there and we're going to see that in movies. We're going to see some movies that get, kind of close. I think, I think Bruce almighty actually brought up some pretty interesting stuff. And you've got like a scene where, you know, Bruce is finally like, I surrender to your will. And you're like, yeah, that's pretty close theologically, you know, and Morgan Freeman is pretty cool, but there, you know, it, it, a lot of these films are not based on biblical fact. They aren't based on truth. They don't hold water. And I think when we have these discussions, rather than trying to argue how wrong the films are. I think that's where we as families need to be in the word because the more we're soaking in truth and we know truth, then when we see those lies, we'll, we'll recognize those lies and it can be great discussion. It won't have to be like, that's nonsense. Turn it off. You know, it'll be more of like, Oh wow, that was a good question. Hey, we're going to encounter friends that ask good questions like that. And here's some of the answers we know from the Bible. No, that's right. And, and I think that, one of the really, really simple um, discernment and spiritual engagement questions I think we can ask our kids with almost anything is, how does this line up with what we know to be true in Scripture, and how hmm. is it different? I mean, it's a, a very simple compare and contrast question. And I think even pretty young kids uh, can get their heads around that. And I've asked that question enough. I know a number of years ago, I can't remember if I've told this story or not. uh, My son and I were talking about a Pokemon movie and my son said, you know what? He's willing to sacrifice his life for his friends, just like Jesus sacrificed his life for us. And so we're not saying Pokemon is a Christian movie. And my son wasn't even saying that, but he was able to draw those comparisons. And so I think as we teach our kids to sort of critically do a little bit of, you know, comparative religion mini seminar, uh, instead of having them just soak in ideas uncritically, they're naturally primed to be thinking in a critical way, not critical bad, but, uh, you know, just comparing Mm. these things and these ideas. Yeah. And, and one of the things that, that makes me think of, and, and what you said too, Jonathan, in some ways, I think that kids may be better conditioned for some of these weird movies than than even their parents are because they live in a world of imagination. They understand that that your mind can take you in a lots of different ways. You can you can imagine some some incredible scenarios that aren't true. Now, that means that that it's on the parents' shoulders to help them discern between what is an imaginative story like soul and what is truly uh, what we believe, what we have learned from the Bible, what we teach our kids. Um, I think that, that both of those can go sort of hand in hand where you can use these imaginative stories to tell wider truths and really point to the ultimate truth. Well, and I think that we can 
um, acknowledge that sometimes God uses um, sometimes even some pretty bizarre films and literature to to maybe grab someone's attention in in a bizarre way. Adam, you mentioned the seventh sign. Um, uh, my wife wasn't a believer, and she when she saw that movie, that movie shook her up and it made her ask questions about God. And she was kind of on this quest seeking for God as a young, she was 19 at the time. And, and that movie scared her. Um, I used to work with kind of a rough group of teenagers. I remember they'd come and they're like, yo man, I just saw this horror movie and they would name this movie. And it was just this way out there movie. And they're like, and it made me think about death. And we'd have the most fascinating conversation about God because they saw some really inappropriate, you know, crazy horror movie and it made them think. So sometimes, you know, these things can simply be springboards for discussion. Yeah, they can be. And I mean, we even talked about horror movies a while back. And I think another important distinction to make here is there are movies and shows that are sort of playing with a premise um, and and just going with it. And maybe they have an agenda, um, but it it isn't necessarily an anti-God or anti-Christian agenda. And then there are other things that absolutely have an axe to grind with their worldview and the way that they're setting things up. And I'm thinking about the His Dark Materials books and movie and now TV series. Paul, is that on HBO? Is that right? Uh, yes, it is. HBO. And, and the author really, I don't know that his beef is with Christianity per se, but it certainly is with organized religion. Um, and so I think that as we talk about worldview, we have to differentiate between worldview problems that might be more, I'll call them benign for lack of a better word, and those that have a real agenda behind them. And so I think that we've got to bring a completely different set of critical thinking skills to bear on movies and shows that are gunning for our worldview, as opposed to those that are just presenting a different set of ideas spiritually. Well, like I agree with that because I think about shows like um, like Supernatural, for example. That's a show uh-huh. that is – I don't think Supernatural, based on the interviews that I've seen with the creators and with the cast, they are definitely not anti-Christian, but they are using a lot of Christian and Judaic lore to create their show. And so like one of the existential questions that they ask is – you know, like, does God actually care about us? Like, if we pray, is he really listening and really answering? And, you know, in mm. the show, they kind of come to the conclusion that no, no, he's not. In fact, they, I mean, the show goes really off on a tangent to where God is just this uncaring creator of the universe who just, uh, you know, he's really more of like, he he's kind of just playing with them. Like they're all like paper dolls for him almost, you know, and he's just having a, a good time and but he doesn't actually care about any of them and he gets turned into a villain but you know that again it wasn't like they were trying to say that god is a bad person because you know one of the things that they never touch on they they never bring up jesus on the show like they'll mention him they'll be like Hmm. oh he was just a man or something but they don't actually sit there and make jesus a character and i always thought that was kind of interesting because and i wrote if you go to um the plugged in's blog you'll see it there it's almost like they didn't want to bring up jesus because 
because they knew that if they touched on Jesus, first of all, that all the Christians would get really mad at them. <laughs> but then the other part of that is that they think they knew that they don't really understand Jesus enough to turn him into a character. I think there was almost a recognition there that, you know, we could sit there and bring up this character, but do we actually know him well enough to talk about him? And I think they came to the conclusion that no, they don't. And there are other shows like that, They're like The Good Place, where, you know, it talks about, you know, all these different religions, how we all got it wrong in terms of the afterlife and stuff. But it, at the end of the day, they really are touching on sp this the spiritual themes of like, you know, are you a good person and stuff? And, um, and they really emphasize that that's more, way more important than any religion or any God. And of course, like their theology is so off, uh, in both of these shows, but they do ask those big questions without necessarily being an, and they try to answer them, but they're not trying to necessarily be anti-Christian. They're just, I think, honestly, I think shows like this just kind of prove that they don't know, they don't understand, you know, what truth is, and they're searching for it. It's a, it's a fascinating thing, and I would recommend that everybody go look at Emily's blog. It was December 7th. It's an outstanding blog on this whole theme. Um, and it really, I think, illustrates one of the big differences that we need to navigate, both as entertainment consumers and as parents. Um, there are things with spiritual components that can cause really good, really deep, important questions. And then there are certain entertainment elements that can lead us away um, mm. from, from the faith that we know and that we love. Um, most of us are not particularly grounded in like this, this hardcore doctoral level theology to, to know everything there is to know about faith. And even those doctorates probably don't know everything there is to know about faith because it's, <laughs> it's such a, it's such a complex thing, right? So, so it's very easy for us to have our faith sort of, I, I, this is going to be a weird word, but almost sullied by the entertainment culture around us. And that can bring on the, the culture's values and, and sort of mess up what our own values should be, what God tells us they could be. Um, and so I think that that's just something that, that parents need to be aware of as they navigate these spiritual stories. Yeah, I love that, Paul. And I think that what's important here as parents is we have to know our kids. And I have three children they process things differently. They're at different stages of maturity. So even within the same family, um, you know, we may have one child who is able to process a set of spiritual questions or even something that, you know, doesn't jibe with our faith. And we may have another child that for whatever reason uh, really is not ready to go there yet. Um, and so, you know, personally, I love movies that challenge me to think more deeply about what I believe and why, but I have to remember that my kids are in a, on a different developmental uh, calendar, if you will. And so my job is to, to come alongside them uh, and to help them think critically, to help them begin to just habitually integrate those skills. Like my kids are never surprised now when I ask the question, how is this similar to what we believe and how is it different from what we believe? And sometimes they, you know, I get the eye roll and dad, 
I know the answer is Jesus, even though it looks like a squirrel. Uh, <laughs> the perils of, of living in the same family as the plugged in editor, right? Right, right, yeah. right. Uh, well, it's funny what Paul said, too, is he says that even some of these doctors and scholars don't have all the answers. Um, in Psalm 119, I love it. Uh, and that's the big old long Psalm, but it's, it's awesome. And it just constantly talks about how important the word is in our lives. And starting in verse 97, I think he says, uh, Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on, on it all day long. Your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies. I have more insight than all my teachers for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders for I obey your precepts. And in a way, it, at first you kind of are taken back. You're thinking, what, does this guy cocky? He's talking about how much smarter he is than all these others. But really he's just saying, no, the person that's <laughs> spending his time in scripture actually has more insight than all these people who seem so smart here on mm -hmm. earth. And I think that's one of those things we need to just remember. Well, this has been a terrific conversation. I think it's one that we could probably do another half hour or hour on and and still just scratch the surface of it. But I hope that it has given you as parents out there some concrete ways to think about how we deal with spiritual stuff in movies, when we can wade into it, when maybe we need to exercise restraint. And if soul is on your potential watch list over the rest of Christmas break, make sure you carve out some extra time to talk with your kids about what it gets right and where it perhaps veers off, uh, maybe not in the wrong direction, but but certainly in some directions that Scripture doesn't have a lot to say about in the way that it depicts certain spiritual ideas. Well, as we close out this crazy year of 2020, we would love to hear from you about your favorite spiritually themed movie or TV show. What do you like and why? Uh, what are some of the questions that it's raised for you or maybe questions that it's answered for you. And you can let us know uh, via email at team at thepluggedinshow.com. And you can also get in touch with us via our Facebook and Instagram pages. And today, as a thank you for being part of our Plugged In Show family, we would love to send you a copy of Paul's book, Burning Bush 2.0, How Pop Culture Replaced the Prophet. You know, we talk a lot about worldview, and what I love about what Paul has done here is he really unpacks that idea of worldview. How do we think about the ideas that pop culture throws at us? How do we put that in a spiritual grid and begin to make sense of it? So if that sounds interesting to you, you'll find a link to order that book as well as links to everything else we've talked about here today at our plugged in blog entry for this week's episode. Well, we have enjoyed spending time with you today on this conversation, and we've enjoyed spending time with you throughout this whole year. So on behalf of the plugged in show team, I want to wish you a happy new year. And I want to say thanks so much for listening today. And we look forward to connecting with you again next week for another episode of the plugged in show. <laughs>